and Pastor Mags and Fernando. They were in sunny San Diego. I was extremely jealous about that. They got to go to an amazing men's conference over in California, which I kind of am jealous. I was seeing some of the, the footage and, you know, women's conference, it's more like, come get a massage, come get a makeover. Men are all about raw and like killing each other. And there was an awesome video. Maybe I could show it tonight. Uh, my husband's super competitive. And one of the competitions where these guys were in these big bubble ball things. You know those ball things that you go inside of? And so, you know, my husband doesn't like to lose. He always needs to win and he'll pummel anyone out of the way who gets in his way. Well, 
not this time. So uh, there was like three guys running towards this other side and they were coming towards him. My husband was right in the middle and I showed my kids like 20 times this video, they died. All of a sudden the guys from the opposite team are coming, Anthony and his team are running. This guy just knocks my husband down. You see Anthony's feet go straight up in the air, it was classic. Benny's like, wait, daddy just got knocked out. I was like, he did sweetheart, it's a rare thing, but take a look, you know? So it was really funny, but anytime Anthony goes away, I always have the privilege of staying with my kids. And, and I say that because Anthony's very much a hands-on dad. He's a very present dad, and so he helps a lot at home with our kids. So this time, these last three days, it was very much just mommy and the kids, and it was like lots of one-on-one -on -one time, and it was actually really awesome. However, every time Anthony does go away, very interesting things happen in our home. For starters, um, one night I was cleaning up. I asked my kids to start the bath for our little one and a half year old, so just go start it and so forth, get her ready, and I hear all the ruckus upstairs, I hear Hopi running away from them, you know, wreaking havoc, she's cracking up because she's running from her brother and sister, and I'm like, oh, that's not good. I get upstairs, all their clothes is in the bathroom, including a hand towel that was on the floor. I was like, why is this on the floor in the midst of all their clothes and all their like sweaty things and so forth? And uh, I get into my room a few seconds later and I see this puddle on the floor and I'm like, did they spill like water? Like, what is this? And thankfully I didn't press my nose to find out what the water was. I asked Ben, Ben, did Hopi pee here? He's like, I don't think so. But then Shelly's like, yes, yeah, she did, but I cleaned it up. Clearly she didn't clear, clean it up that well, but I was like, that's fine. I grabbed my Lysol wipes as every mom owns, many of them. And so I wiped it all up, put it away, started giving the kids their bath, Soon enough, went to bed, got myself to bed as well, which is rare to get to bed before 11 o'clock, but I did manage. But I was so tired, I didn't want to give myself my nightly face wash routine. It's a new thing in my life. I never thought I needed to do all this moisturizer stuff, but once the age of 35 came around, I realized age was not on my side as much anymore. And so I started you know, like investing in like eye cream and all this kind of stuff because the reality of the struggle is real. So as you know, um, I go to bed, hope you decides to wake up every two hours that night to my lovely joy. And so around 3.30 in the morning, She's crying out. I go deal with her, give her a bottle, whatever it was that she needed. And then I decided, man, I didn't get to wash my face. Even though I'm going to be up in like three hours, I'm just going to do it because my face feels like nah. So I go into the bathroom, start washing my face. And then I go grab the towel that had been on the floor, the hand towel that was on the floor for some bizarre reason in the midst of all my kids' stuff. I went, washed my face, grabbed the towel, and to my delight, that had been the towel that Shelly used to pick up Hopi's pee-pee that was on the floor. And so there it is, a mouthful, a stenchful of dry pee. You know when like water gets on a towel, the towel feels fine? It was like hard. It was like not a soft towel, it was just like old dried pee that I had the honor and the privilege of inhaling at 3.30 in the morning. So it was a nice wake up call. That same night, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe the night after, my house alarm decides to go off for no reason. We might have forgotten to turn off the motions or something like that. So I do what any good mom does. I don't want to wake up the kids. I'm sure it's not a burglar, but in case it is, I'll go get a knife. Jackie went and got a pot and we were set. So there we are freaking out. We run to the playroom. We go look to see if there's anyone breaking into the house. We're free we were literally freaking out. We looked at each other. We're like, oh, it's about to go real right now, you know? And so there I am with my little knife. There's Jackie with her big pot. 
And then finally we go sit on the couch. And like 20 minutes later, I realized Jackie was still holding the pot in her hand. I was like, what are you doing? She's like, if anyone comes, I got you. You know, she was like ready to take anyone out with a pot in the name of Jesus for the sake of her spiritual mama. So I appreciate that, Jackie. Thank you for babysitting me these last few days. But anyway, interesting things happen in my house when my hubby is not there. Interesting things happen in the house of God because Jesus is there. And today I want to talk to you about this. We're, we're launching our series, Reach, Each One, Reach One. And the topic and the title today is There Are Miracles in the House. There are miracles in the house. If you're new to church, if you're new to Church Alive, I want to welcome you here. It is the honor of our life to serve you, to teach what the Word of God says, to help you thrive, to help you flourish. The mission of this house is to reach, reach you as many people as possible. Reach you as many communities, neighborhoods, families, relationships. Reach as many people. And we believe that our job will never be done because there's always someone to reach. We believe that we're called to teach, to, to empower you, to impact your generation for Christ. Our job here as pastors, many people think that a, a pastor's job is just to pray all day and to counsel all day. Actually, it's not. It's to teach you. It's to equip you. It's to empower you. We send people to be the hands and feet, to go to hospitals, to go to prisons. But our main job is to equip you to be a better husband, to equip you to be a better wife, to equip you to be a better mom, a better son a better father, whoever it is, our job is to help you, bump you with Jesus, uh, give you an encounter with Jesus, show you, point you to your creator, point you to your savior so that you can be the best you God's called you to be. I believe that when someone is born, the Bible tells us that he pours out his spirit on that person. He gives them spiritual blessings. He gives them gifts. And our job is to help unleash, untap those gifts so that you can be all that God has called you to be. The church exists exists to point you to your creator. The church exists so that you know who your family in Christ is, so that you can sharpen each other, so you can encourage each other, so that our heart is taught how to worship the things of God, to worship God, so that our heart is not just caught up in the things of this world. The church exists so that we can be who God has called us to be, so that we can bump into hope, so that hope can become the anchor of our life. The church is a place where hurt people get mended. It's a place that where your disappointments meet divine appointments. It is a place where Jesus is the author and finisher of your faith. It is a place where once you decide to plant, because the decision is up to you, we are here, we provide all the different things, we provide avenues for you to grow, like connect groups and thrive. The growth track is a way for you to grow. We provide all the tools you need so you can be all that God's called you to be. But the question is, are you tapping into those resources so that you could be all that God has called you to be? You could thrive or you can just stay still. And often when we stay still, we wind up going backwards. We could be a potted plant, which only grows to a certain extent and blooms a little bit, or you can be the kind of plant that is planted in the ground, its roots go down, it plants and it grows, grows, grows and it flourishes and it gives off fruit and God is delighted with that. And the option is yours. Which plants will you be? Tell someone, there is a miracle in the house. The world has pointed to the church as a crutch 
The world has pointed to the church as the place where just addicts and people with issues go. We don't need the church. The people in this world, society, has painted the church as a house of hypocrites. The church is not a place of hypocrites. It's a place of imperfect people who have bumped in to faith, and now because of the saving grace of Jesus, our imperfections are now looked through the lens of righteousness, and we are made holy because of his sacrifice. The church has been portrayed as a boring, irrelevant place. And while that may be true in some places, the true house of God, the true house of our living God is a place that is full of life, filled with miracles, filled with hope, filled with peace, filled with purpose, filled with power, filled with encouragement. And we must, as a people, understand that church is not something that we are obliged to. Church is not just something that we have to come to actually we get to come to church we get to be filled we get to be encouraged we get to get challenged we get to be inspired we get to go it's like sitting in counseling for free are you kidding me people spend thousands of dollars on counseling for couples and i think it's a great thing do it do it we're not certified counselors we're just passionate about god and people but the reality is in the house of god there's truth there's life there's power there is purpose and the world has painted this ugly nasty picture of who the house of god is but i'll tell you what the house of god is it is a place of miracles it is a place where god shows up pours out his spirit pours out his power pours out his love and chains are broken chains are broken demons flee hear that again demons flee what the heck are that they are fallen angels who want to wreak havoc on your soul and they are real and they want to destroy but let me tell you because of the name of Jesus and the freedom that exists in his house through his people because we are the church we can get up from the Williams Center today walk down the street as a group of whoever and we are the church we are the church whatever we set up our tents you know the people of Israel they roamed for 40 years in Israel I'm sorry in the desert to get to their promised land but wherever they roamed they set up the tabernacle they set up the tent and God's presence was there and so the reality is where two or three are gathered his presence is there there are miracles in the house can you tell somebody there are miracles in the house can you meet with God in private and will he show up? Absolutely. But the father wants his children to come together, to worship together, to serve together. It's like your daddy wants one-on-one -on -one time with you, but your daddy wants time with all of you. It's like a big family reunion. It's important. Now I want to ask you a question. And this is a personal one for me because I know people in my world and it breaks my heart that it had to come to this, but I wonder how many suicides overdoses, marriages that have failed, teen pregnancies, dropouts, all of this stuff would have been averted if families would just have planted themselves in the house of God. You know what we find here as pastors? And it's totally fine. The doors are wide open. Our hearts are wide open. We receive everyone. We always find that people come running when they're at their last at their wits end. We find people coming when their kids are now hooked on drugs. We find people coming when their marriage is on the rocks. But the reality is if they would have planted three, four, five, six, ten years ago, if they would have planted in the house of God and didn't just come to church as a great, you know, option to do with our family occasionally when the kids don't have soccer in the morning, and if we don't build our life on the things that the world thinks is a priority, but we actually build it on what the Bible tells we should build it, then I think more marriages would be saved 
more kids would be off drugs. There would be less of an epidemic of heroin and cocaine in our schools because kids would know that the only thing that can fill the God-shaped hole in them is God, not heroin, not cocaine. No, the Holy Spirit that fills us is the only thing that will give us everlasting fulfillment. It's in the house of God that you find it. It's in the house. And I wonder today, are you in here? Maybe you've been on the outskirts of the church, meaning you come every week, or maybe you come a few times a month, a few times a year. And it's nice. Every time you come, you're like, rah, rah. That was awesome. Great job, Pastor Anthony, Pastor Miriam. See you in a few months. You know, I'll see you next week, but it's not really a decision you've made. You have to come to terms with something. You have to decide whether you're gonna be the kind of person that says, I'm in church every week, that's what I do. I eat every day, I poo every day, <laughs> I eat every day, I go to church every Sunday. And look, I'm just keeping it real, people. Can we keep it real? I'm a mom. I deal with poo like 10 times a day, all right? <laughs> so, oh, just deal with it, people, come on. We're adults in here. But that's the truth, do you feel me? We have to be the kind of people that decide, I am in the house of God, I am there because that's where I will flourish. That's where I will thrive. That's where my family, the generations to come, my kids, my grandkids, their kids, their kids' kids, it's in the house of God that miracles happen and you get to be a part of it, but you won't experience those miracles until you plant yourself, get yourself out of that pot, get yourself into that ground and let the roots go down and let yourself be watered by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You want more faith? Get here more often. Sunday's not enough. You need connect group. You need to be a part of a serving team. Our dream teams, they're not just about carrying things. They're not just about serving and kids. They're about building your life. Pastor Katie, Pastor Mags, Noelia, all of our department leaders that run many teams in our church, they're intentionally about building into your life, pouring into your life, praying for you. They know what you need. They ask you, what are your needs? And so they almost pastor you. And so serving on a dream team, it's not just about what we can get out of you. It's what we can pour into you so that God can just flow out of you so that we can reach more people and so that your world can get larger and and larger and larger and your purpose can be unveiled and your blessings can be unfolded and all this stuff just flows out of you and miracles are in the house you know recently I'll tell you this and it's so cool like I don't often how do I say this there's some people that I follow on it on, on Facebook I don't follow everyone but I follow some people it's mostly just my closest friends but there's some people from church that I follow too and I'm not very close to them but I like watching what they're saying and how much their life has changed in the past six months to a year and there's one family in particular she's like the greatest Facebook evangelist every like week she's like posting about like their service times, what God is doing, clips about the church. And, and I think like about six or seven times already, she has said, I don't know why I haven't gotten to, to church sooner. I don't know why I didn't get the aha moment sooner. I've known about church my whole life. I've known about the power of God my whole life, but I didn't plant myself. And my life has changed significantly since planting. And I was like, she needs to preach. I need to sit down and let her get up here and preach her life because it's just amazing. Here's this woman comes with her husband and her two kids and now her life she decided from being a potted plant to now a thriving plant in the ground letting her roots go down and here she is growing from faith to faith check out what psalm 92 13 says 
Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Love, verse 14. They shall still bear fruit in old age. There's hope for me. They shall be fresh and flourishing. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. I was telling the 1115 service, do you ever go into ShopRite of Lyndhurst and just think what has happened to these people? They need like a, an injection of joy or something. They need some purpose in their life. They look angry. They look bitter. They look like they just want to end it. And it's like, what is it with Lyndhurst, man? Like Lyndhurst shop, right? You know, I'm just like very, very confused. Anthony refuses to go to that one. He'll go to another one because he just think everyone looks just depressed. But I think it's because people have not connected to their purpose. They think that once they get older, it's all over. There's no purpose. It's done. They're tired. They're hurt. They're this and they're that. I know some old people, man. They are, my mother is 70 something years old and that woman loves Jesus and she's on fire and she wants to reach people. And, and she, that is not old. I know it's not that old, but it's, it's older than me, okay? It's so, and so it's older, you know? But it's amazing when you have Christ and when you know that your time is not done yet because if you still have some air in your lungs, then your purpose is still there, you know? And so one of the things I want to talk to you this afternoon about are miracles. We keep saying a miracle is in the house. And I think we believe that the greatest miracles are the miracles of cancer being healed. I agree, it's an amazing miracle. The miracle of financial breakthrough, the miracle of marrying someone, the miracle of different things like that. There's different things that we've been praying for and finally it happens. We're like, it's a miracle and yes, it's a miracle. But do you know the greatest miracle of all? The greatest miracle of all that once you die, that miracle still goes with you because finances, houses, jobs, healing, all that kind of stuff, the moment you die, well, your body stays, your house stays, your finance stays, but your spirit lives on. So the greatest miracle is going from spiritual death to spiritual life. It's going from life without your creator to now faith in your creator. It's going from I had eternity apart from God, but now because of the forgiveness of my sins and the salvation through Jesus, now I have eternity with my father. Salvation means away from God, now in God, in Christ, in his purpose, in his will. The greatest miracle is saying yes to Jesus and having his purpose poured into yours. The greatest miracle is what we see here week in and week out in every service, people saying yes to Jesus because that miracle is eternal. It doesn't end. They are forever in their father's arms. That is the greatest miracle of all. And we saw in the reading in Mark chapter two, where he said, what's easier? Me saying, pick up your mat and go, or me saying, I forgive your sins. And he did both. And when we come to the house of God, not only does he come and save our soul? He comes and he provides miracles. He comes. What I love about Jesus, oh my gosh, what I love about my father is he could have just saved me. He could have just said, here, Ephraim, here's your salvation. You're good. Deal with the rest of your world the way you need to do it. He could have just left us, given us the greatest gift of all, salvation, and said, yo, boy, you're my son, but now I'm bouncing. But no, he gives us salvation, and then he pours out his blessings, and he pours out his miracles, and he says, you need a financial miracle? Here, baby girl, you got it. Hey, you need this? Okay, here, baby girl, you got it. It may not come in the timing you want, but it comes in his timing. It may not be the way you want, but it comes in his timing. His miracles are his gift to us, but first, the greatest of all is the miracle of salvation. And Easter is coming up in a few weeks. But before there was a resurrection, 
before there was a Good Friday, before there was any of that that we celebrate every year, there was the life of Jesus. He taught, he served, he loved, he fed, he gave. I mean, he prayed, he sacrificed, he did all these things and people came quickly. They were drawn to this miracle man, Jesus, and they were drawn and everywhere Jesus came, crowds gathered to hear to be touched by him, to experience him and encounter him. Crowds came. So Carol told Caitlin, Caitlin told Ephraim, Ephraim told Steph, Steph told Anthony, Anthony told Jackie, and people, it was word of mouth. And everywhere he went, swarms of people came. Why? Because they knew wherever Jesus showed up, a miracle will be. We saw here in this story, Jesus showed up to this house kind of like Church Alive, but it got so full that there was an overflow. But the guy's like, nah-uh, we got to get these, this guy right here on this mat to Jesus. They opened up a hole in the ceiling, and they brought him down so this guy could encounter Jesus. And these men, this is what they could have done. They could have bypassed the opportunity to themselves personally bring this guy to Jesus. They could have looked at the crowd and thought, man, it's too crowded, maybe another service, or maybe another time, or you know what, it's, it's overwhelming, or he's a little bit heavy, you know, this paralyzed guy is a bit heavy, I don't know, I know there's four of us, but I, I'm not about breaking a sweat right now, my hair looks fabulous, you know, um, you know all, he could have had all these, these guys could have had all these different excuses why, they could have thought, well, let someone else take them, we're on our way, we're not going to get our seats, so we better go, you know, and there could have been all these different excuses as to why not carry this man to Jesus, but they wanted to be a part of the miracle. They probably didn't even realize that it was a twofold miracle, the greatest miracle of all, and then the physical miracle. They had no idea, but because they carried the man, because they invited the man, they lifted the man, then someone got to be lifted for eternity. Because they said no to their own convenience sometimes, they brought him, they carried him, and I'm sure that man was forever grateful to the gift of his buddies. I'm sure this man was forever grateful for the gifts of his amigos. You know what I'm saying? I think of like different people in our church. I think of Pastor Katie. She came through one day, she saw a flyer on the window. She was coming for a movie. And you know what? Someone paid to have a flyer. The tithers in the house, they paid so that we could have ways to advertise, ways to evangelize. People paid so that we could have lights on in this place. And so, so many different people carry that responsibility. They carry the mat of tithing. They carry the mat of serving. They carry the mat of inviting. And that's how these people can experience the miracle that is in the house. Someone had to carry. Jesus gives us three very important commandments before he goes back to heaven. The first one is love your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. The second was love people as you would love yourself. And we basically break it down. Love God, love people. Then the third thing he says to us is go into the world and make disciples. I have given authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. 
That is called the Great Commission. The Great Command, which is love God, love people, with the Great Commission, they go hand in hand. They work together because the greatest thing you can ever do for anybody, and you might be in here for like 30 seconds, never been to church in your life, this is your first time, but maybe you experienced something in here today, and you're like, you know what? I need to go tell Susie. Susie needs to come with me next week because I experienced something powerful. You don't need a seminary degree. You don't need to be in church for a year, five years, 20 years, a thousand years. You just need to know something. Jesus is in the house. Miracles are in the house. And you got to tell somebody who's going to tell somebody who's going to tell somebody because our world is broken and they need the hope, the peace, the power, the presence, the love of Jesus to come invade their world because our world is full of pain. Our world is full of brokenness. Our world is full of sickness. Our world is full of deceit. It's full of lack of purpose. Everyone is yelling at you as to what you should be doing and what your purpose should be and how many guys you should sleep around with so that you're successful or what you have to do to get to the top, all that kind of stuff. But the reality is they're all lies. The truth for your advancement, the truth for your success, the truth for your flourishing, the truth for your advancement in the kingdom of God is the word. It is the truth. It is our food. It is our hope. And we have, we get to have it. I just wish people would understand. We get to be here. This is not just something we come to occasionally. It is the biggest honor of our life to sit in the house of God, to be inspired by his word, to be taught by his word, to be challenged by his word, to be corrected and rebuked by his word. Do we get it, church? It is the honor of our life. We get to hear about Jesus. We get to hear about what he's done and so often we take his grace for granted we take the gift of his house for granted we get used to these churches that have great lights that have great screens we get used to the comfort of parking lots and whoa we got to walk two blocks to get to church how inconvenient oh i gotta leave my kid down the street how inconvenient but we'll park two miles away to get to our h&m store because we need to get that sale isn't perspective interesting the house of god is where there is life yet things will keep us from it and so, and so we have to change and shift our perspective. There's a miracle, a miracle in the house. And what are we going to do about it? Two of the greatest ways to fulfill the greatest commandment, which is love God, love people, hand in hand with the great commission is by leading them to Jesus inviting someone to Jesus, bringing them to Jesus. Don't let your Christianity be inward. I mentioned in the last service, sometimes the longer we become a Christian, the weirder we get stuck on things. Well, are tattoos from God or not? The Old Testament says tattoos are from the devil. And, and then we get into these little nitpicky things and we start focusing on things that, sure, they can be important, but can we major on the majors? Can we focus on the gospel? Jesus is about saving people. Who cares about tattoos? Who cares about Easter bunnies? Who cares about Santa Claus? Who cares about that? There's people who need Jesus. There are children who need healing. There are children who don't ever need to even look past drugs and if they're in the house of God if they're in a great youth ministry called reckless or kids ministry called kids alive if parents you get off your little behinds on a Friday night instead of just having a sit TV because you've worked all week and I get it I work all week too but can we make the effort to get our children to an amazing program where they're gonna hear about the purpose the power of God and keep them away from the things that are trying to destroy them invite 
invite, a simple invitation. One of the young ladies from our church, I got to go to coffee with her a couple of weeks ago. We've been trying for months to get together. I said, Jazz, tell me how you got here again. Like, how did you get to church? She's like, oh my gosh, this person, I, I was trying to sell my coffee table and I put it on Craigslist. This person came to pick it up and they literally left the invitation for church on our kitchen table. And I don't even know who this person is. I have no idea. I, I was so going to send an email one day to the whole church say, who left an invite on some random coffee table, you know, three years ago? All I have to say is that person now is in the house of God. Jasmine now serves. She's a single mom with two kids and she's in the house of God. Her life has changed. She is here. She's coming with purpose. She might might be tired, but she knows her strength is in Jesus, all because someone decided to put a little invite card that has our service times. Here you go, this thing right here, and says, you're invited. She looks, she's like, mm, let's see, let's see what happens. She showed up, her world changed. She didn't need a seminary degree. She didn't need to go sit through a four-part uh, four sermon with Pastor Anthony on how to invite someone to church. Flipping card, people. All she did was throw a card on a coffee table, and that person's life forever changed. That's all it is. That's all it is. Invite someone at the gym. Why are you at the locker? Just don't look at them while they're changing, but throw one in there. Guys are weird. I hear the weirdest stories about guys in the locker room. It's just like, we are girls, like for me, at least when I'm in the locker room, I'm like, anyone looks at me, I'll cry to you, you know? It's like very weird. I'm very particular about my personal space. And so there's different ways that you can do it. Be generous to your waiter or your waitress. Give them a nice tip. If you're going to be stingy, don't give them a Church Alive invite, please. Okay? If you're going to be driving like a lunatic, don't have a Church Alive sticker on your car either, please. Okay? But... Who are you leading to Jesus? Leaders, who are you leading to Jesus? With those of us who've been in the church a really long time, we kind of eventually, our, our, our friends change. It winds up being mostly people from church, so we don't have that many friends. And I would say I would encourage you in this. Make a point in knowing your neighbors. It's not good if you don't know any unchristian people. It's not good. Jesus hung out with all his non-Christian buddies all the time. He was always being judged for it. Interesting how the religious people are always judging Jesus on, on what he was doing. Christians who've been in the church a really long time will tell you what you should and shouldn't do, but who are they reaching? Who are they leading to Jesus? At the end of the day, who are we lead, leading to Jesus? We could do all this stuff. We can be a connect group leader. We could be a dream team leader, all this stuff, but when was the last time you reached your family for Jesus? When was the last time you reached a coworker for Jesus, and that's a conviction to myself. And don't feel convicted if maybe you've invited and you've tried for years and they're still not here. It doesn't matter. You're doing your part. It doesn't matter. You're sowing. It doesn't matter. Your life is a message. Your life is preaching. It doesn't matter. They will eventually come because of your testimony. They will eventually come because of your faithfulness, your prayers. Your prayers go up before Lord, the Lord as a memorial. So never take for granted your life, your sowing, your prayers for that family, for that neighbor. Never take for granted. But who are you leading and finally serving? We invite and we serve. Someone had to carry that man to Jesus. Someone had to carry that man to Jesus. They could have bypassed it because it was difficult. They could have bypassed it because the crowd was large. They could have bypassed it because it was a really hot day in the desert and they were like, nah, I'll be all right. But they didn't. They took that man. They carried that man. They made a way through the crowd, through, a, through the crack in the roof, brought that man to not only have his sins forgiven, but to be able to walk for the first time out of that place and go show the power of God. And the reality is this. You might not be able to preach right now, or maybe that's not what God's calling you to do. You might not be a singer, which many of you might not be, 
But there is something you can do. There is something that you can do. There is something you can carry. There is a mat that you can lift. There's a security team here at church. There's a kids team here at church. There's a first impressions team here at church, a connect team, a greeting team, an ushering team. I mean, we've got millions of teams here and all these teams make it so that people can meet Jesus. All these teams make it so that someone is being carried on a mat to Jesus because they believe that miracles are in the house. We have four services. We have many people who serve for four services. That's over 12 hours in one day. But do you know that if every single person, over 450 people in this church, if every single person put their hands to the plow, in other words, got to work, picked up a mat, we wouldn't have to do that. We could actually reach more people. We could actually do more things. But no, there's a small percentage of people, over 150 to maybe a little bit more people that serve. How is that possible in a church of 450, but we only have 150 to 170 who serve? Something's missing. Someone is carrying the responsibility for you, but when are we all going to step up and make the difference? When are we going to allow our world to be bigger and bigger? When are we going to take our mind from being a consumer Christian to being the kind of Christian that wants to make a difference so we could reach more, teach more, empower? more, pour more faith, pour more hope, pour more purpose into people's lives. It starts with you. It starts with me. It starts with all of us. It's not just the sacrifice of the few, but the sacrifice of the many that revival comes. And so we need you to put your hand to the plow. Pastor Mag said early, it's not even that we need you, we want you. We want you to be a part of the biggest rescue mission of earth, which is mankind. And we get to be a part of it. Matthew 5:41 says if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile carry it 2 miles man what would happen if our entire church would just get a glimpse of that wow i want to make a difference the house of God provided a miracle for me. I want it to be a, a miracle for someone else. I want to provide a miracle for someone else. Anytime you lift someone, anytime you lift something, you are lifting someone's hope. You are lifting someone's salvation. Anytime you pick something up, an invite, pick something up, a banner here to put in place. Whenever you pick something up on a team, you are making it so that someone's life gets to be picked up for eternity. Your life makes a difference so that we could reach more, stretch more, more and make heaven known it's up to us you could be the potted plant or you could be the plant that is in the ground and thriving and flourishing and bearing good fruit why don't we stand to our feet let's have the bands come up we invite we serve because we know there are miracles in the house but if no one invites if no one serves if no one gives there are no miracles to give out if no one tithed, we'd have no building to come to and hear about the promises of God. If no one served, there's no way that Pastor Anthony and I could do what we do week in and week out. If we didn't have a Gino, a pastoral care person that calls people when they're sick, visits them in the hospital, visits them, there is no way Anthony and I could be learning, could be empowering, could be raising up leaders because we would be expected to do all this stuff, yet still have a healthy marriage, yet still have healthy children, but yet everyone expects the pastors to do everything. The reality is it's the pastor's job to pour out, empower everyone so that everyone's the hands and feet. You get to be the hands and feet. You may be in here today and you haven't had that miracle yet. Or maybe this is the first time you're hearing about this so-called miracle. 
Maybe you've heard about Jesus, you know about Jesus, but more as a religion, more as a philosophy or a concept, but Jesus is not a religion. He's not a concept. He's not a philosophy. He is God and he is the living God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is just as alive today as he was 2,000 years ago. He's alive through his people. He's alive through his word. He's still operating miracles. He still wants to meet you. He still wants to provide for you. He still wants to do powerful things in your life. And today, he wants to welcome you Today, he wants to welcome you into eternity with him. He wants to welcome you um, that you would receive him as your savior. When we come to Jesus, you're basically saying this, Lord, I know I'm not perfect, but I need forgiveness of sins. You know, heaven doesn't require perfection because he was made sin so that we could be perfected for. You see, you need to be perfect in essence to come to heaven, but because we were in, unable to be perfect, unable to be holy, he sends perfection down to heaven. God sent perfection down to heaven for us so that we can make a way. So all across this room, every eye closed, every head bowed, I'm not gonna ask you to come forward. I'm just gonna ask you to slip up your hand in a moment the Bible tells us that Jesus said if man would publicly declare that I am God, that I am their Lord, then I'll publicly declare their name before God. So if that is you in here today, you want forgiveness of sins. You want your name written in the book of life. You want forgiveness and you want salvation in Jesus. And you might not know what that all looks like. You might feel overwhelmed by that thought or that idea, but that is why we are here as a church to help you on that journey, to help you take those steps. Your only step right now, the only thing you need to do right now is acknowledge the fact that you need a savior and acknowledge the fact that it needs to be Jesus. So all across this room on account of three I believe hands are gonna go up people recognizing their need of a Savior one Jesus loves you two he's got a plan for you and three he wants to save you so all across this room from the front to the back if that's you why don't you slip up your hands so I can see a, I see that hand that's awesome I see that hand that's awesome I see that hands yes that's awesome yes that's awesome I see that hand over there that's awesome yes this is so awesome Amen. Miracles are right happening right now, church. Miracles are happening right now in this house. Salvation is happening right now in this house, and it's only the beginning for these people. It's only the beginning because I know that God has more he wants to pour out in their hearts. For every single person that raised your hand, we're going to go through a prayer in about 10 seconds. But I want to tell you right now, the fact that you raised your hand is great. But don't leave this place without finding out what your next step is. You stop it at the box office, you let them tell you what your next step is. And most importantly, keep showing up. Keep showing up. Keep coming to the house. Keep getting watered. Keep getting faith put into you so you can put it out. So together, let's pray. And the prayer is gonna be basically like this. Father, I recognize that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I thank you for your salvation. I receive your forgiveness. I make you Lord of my life. Something along those lines. Why don't we all, as a church, repeat together. Dear Jesus, thank you for the cross for the sacrifice thank you for forgiving me thank you for giving me new life I make you Lord of my life Savior of my life in Jesus name I pray amen